Welcome to What's a Crime, I'm Linda and today we're going to be talking about our little buddy Gannon Stoke and his timeline around January 27th. I'm going to take the information from the affidavit and I'm going to piece it together. I'm also going to include some information and the events leading up to this day as I feel like it is very, very important to get a bigger, broader view of what happened in the days leading up to his death. But before I get started, if you'd like to be part of the It's a Crime community, please click that subscribe button and hit that notification bell. Click the like button if you support this video and want me to do more Ganon videos. And also click the share button where you can. With that being said, let's get into it. So I'm going to start on Saturday, January 25th. This is the day that Al left Colorado Springs and went to go train with the National Guard. Now, Al left with his mom that day, who from my understanding was spending the week at the Stokes residence. And so they drove to Denver and Al stayed the night and then the next day he left by plane to Oklahoma. And in the affidavit it says, Eugene Albert Stoke, AKA Al Stoke, date of birth, September 20th, 1982, is Gannon's biological father and is married to Letitia Stoke. Mr. Stoke was deployed with the National Guard during the dates of January 25th, 2020 to January 28th, 2020. Mr. Stoke spent the night in Denver on January 25th, 2020 and departed via commercial airline on January 26th, 2020, returning via commercial airline on January 28th, 2020. Investigators were able to corroborate this information and Mr. Stoke has cooperated fully in the below investigation. So I'm not sure what time Al left that house that day from Colorado Springs, but during the course of that day, while the kids were in Letitia's care, she Googles the following. And I'll pick a few out in particular. I'm overdoing all the work for my stepkids and their mom doesn't help. My husband's ex-wife does nothing for her kids. I wonder if my husband's ex-wife is sending me a Valentine's card since I raise her kids. One day some people will wish they treated you differently. Find a rich guy who wants me to take care of his kids. Find a guy who wants to take care of his kids and get paid. So it's clear that she has some resentment, or I should say a lot of resentment. And she spends 20 minutes Googling about her doing all the work for her stepkids and looking up what seems to be or could be memes about how she's raising the ex-wife's children. So she goes back to Googling a few hours later about why her husband should choose her instead of his own family. And then a few more hours later about finding a rich guy to take care of his kids and get paid for it. So she really seems to have her knickers in a knot, doesn't she? And it's not a happy day in Letitia land, according to Letitia. And this is who the kids are around these days. So let's look at Sunday, which is the Garden of the Gods Day. Now we see Gannon and Lena outside on the neighbor's video surveillance. And I'm not sure exactly what time this was taken, but from what I've seen, it was Sunday morning before the hike. Notice in the video, Gannon doesn't seem to be limping or anything. The reason that I bring this up is that in a Crime Online interview, Letitia talked about Gannon cutting his foot in the garage on Saturday night 
and then her bandaging it up at the car and he was good to go. Yet the next morning, he seemed sluggish on the Monday morning, almost like he's limping. So if it happened at Saturday night and he's not limping on Sunday, as we could see on the video, then it didn't happen Saturday night, right? But I'll get to that in a minute. So Roderick Drayton tells Crime Online in his interview, he says, on Sunday, he looked fine. He was running around playing with his sister. On Monday, he looked drugged. He looked sick. He could barely walk. As you can see, on Sunday, he looked fine, according to Roderick. The video surveillance backs that up. And so Letitia, Lena, and Gannon go for a hike to Garden of the Gods. And Tisha takes a selfie. And I'm so glad that we could see him there smiling. At least he had a little bit of joy before we know what's to come. And after the hike, Letitia states in an interview that they went on the hike, they went to Garden of the Gods, and after they all had Burger King, and Harley verifies it on camera. Then Sunday night, after all of this, that's when all hell really breaks loose. First, Letitia releases a video that she says is an accidental recording of her and Gannon. And I'm not going to play the clip. It's very heartbreaking to hear Gannon. But I will just describe it that Letitia is asking Gannon if he did it on purpose. And Gannon is crying and saying no. She asks him to pinky promise and he says, I pinky promise. And then she says, well, we're going to have to sell stuff to fix it and that they could sell the couch. And she doesn't mention the carpet in it, but we're assuming it's carpet just because of the affidavit and some other things that's coming in this video. So at the end of this recording, you can hear him say what sounds like I'm bleeding. And I know for sure another YouTuber covered this, and that was by Plunder. I covered that same video, except I didn't have that end clip of him saying I'm bleeding. So if you would like to see that, I will put Plunder's link in the description below so you can go check that out if you'd like. But I'm warning you, it's heartbreaking to hear Gannon um, talk in there. It's really heartbreaking. So I will leave it there if you'd like. Now this video was taken around 10 p.m. give or take as it has the news of TMZ in the background talking about the death of Kobe Bryant as Tisha is talking to Gannon and you can hear it in the background. Next, she has screenshots on her Apple Watch and she has messages that were sent at 10.54 p.m. that evening, so just shortly after this accidental recording. And it says, do panic, but Gannon turned on a candle downstairs and set the downstairs and that's all we see. And so I'm sure she meant don't panic. And it also says he is fine, he is scared and saying sorry and freaking out. And what's interesting is she uses the same verbiage as what she did in this accidental video because she says, you know, Gannon, this is the last time I'm going to ask you. I was just, I'm just freaking out. And that's the same word that she used that. So interesting. Now in the affidavit, it actually talks about a candle incident and it talks about a phone call between Al and Letitia. And that was actually on February 13th. So here's what the affidavit says. During a phone call on February 13th, 2020, Letitia stated that Gannon was burned by a candle to the point that his skin bubbled and that Gannon peeled the burns off and wiped blood on his bedroom wall. 
Mr. Stelk did not ask about the blood on the walls of his room during this call. The fact she provided information about blood on the wall likely indicates her knowledge of the murder scene, yet no knowledge of what happens when you get blisters. Now, also this evening, Gannon has some stomach problems. And in the affidavit, it says, based on text messages from Letitia to Mr. Stoke, Gannon was up most of Sunday evening with a stomach problem. So at this point, Gannon is in trouble from the candle incident. Something was burned and it's the, probably the carpet like we know. And he says that he's bleeding in the video and he has stomach problems. And then Tisha goes, after all this, she goes to her phone again and does some more Google searches starting at nine minutes after midnight. And this is what she searched. My son burned the carpet, how do I fix it? That's at 12.09. Will humidifier help if exposed to smoke? That's at 12.42. Smoke effects will humidifier help at 12.43. And smoke from fire effects will humidifier help at 12.43 as well. So she spends 35 minutes searching for answers. Now, if it was a bigger fire and there was a lot of smoke, I'm sure the smoke alarm would have went off. And I'm not sure if her alarm system is hooked up to that or not, but some of them are. But something to note is that the officer said in the affidavit that the house actually smelled quite pleasant and it smelled like coconut. And so I wonder if the candle was actually a coconut smelling candle. Here's what the affidavit says. I have talked with investigators that were inside the Stouk residence on January 27th and 28th and 29th. There was no odor of smoke and no evidence of smoke. In fact, one detective noted the basement smelled like coconut and was very pleasant. And so after those first set of searches about the smoke, there's a 12 minute gap and she goes back to her best friend Google. And she says, Colorado law for kids staying at home. School is out. Is it okay for my kid to stay at home alone? Son is sick, but I have to go to work. And son sick, can he stay home? And that's between 12.55 a.m. and 1.03. And so now it's clear that she's thinking of him staying home from school. But the question is why, right? Is it because he's in trouble? Is it because he's up too late? Is it because he's bleeding? Is it because his stomach isn't feeling good? What's the reason? And she spends a good 10 minutes on these searches. But here's what's perplexing to me. She is wondering if she could go to work and leave him home alone, and she's concerned about the law. Interesting, right? But this scenario makes it seem like he's really not good to go to school. Not that it's, he's up too late or he's in trouble, that he's really not feeling well, whether it's him bleeding or his stomach problems. Here's something else that's really interesting. A few days later, Letitia references this whole fiasco about the smoke, and she writes it in the middle of the night at 2.15 a.m. And she says, when we came back inside from the smoke, there was blood on both of us. I didn't know what to do. I was scared I would get fussed out about it, and I didn't know if he should go to the doctor. I kept trying to add the candle thing, but Albert kept saying it was small and minor. I was scared the basement was smoky, and when I threw the covers on everything, we both had blood. You don't know how hard it is to be a stepmom. So I wondered 
wait a minute, who is she texting at 2.15 a.m.? And on the very left, it says Nicole, and in brackets, owner, but it also says maybe, maybe that's the contact. And it was outgoing, obviously. And 2.14 a.m. is when it was sent. So I looked at that and went, why would she be talking to the landlord at 2.14 a.m.? But then I remembered in my last video, I was talking about the text she sent Harley about carpet powders, two things, baking soda, and trash bags. And when you look on the very left, it says participants, Nicole brackets owner, daughter with a heart on there. And it has a maybe on there. There's parts that are redacted, as you can see in the last text, and at this text is redacted. So I am actually more wondering, we know the second text was actually sent to Harley. So I'm thinking that this actually went possibly, possibly in my opinion, to Harley at 2.14 a.m. in the morning. And she's justifying this to Harley. Super strange. Because this was written on the 29th and Tisha was no longer staying at the Stokes residence. Well, now it gets even more strange. Letitia possibly gets three to three and a half hours of shut-eye and wakes up that Monday morning and starts Googling again. But first, she has to make a little text to her employer. She doesn't phone, she texts her employer. Now remember, she got a job the week before as a teacher's assistant on the Wednesday. She was doing some orientation, but they ended up finding that there was discrepancies in her application and so she was no longer working that next week. But she didn't know that as of Monday morning, but she texts at 4.37 a.m. and the affidavit says this. Indeed, Letitia did come up with an excuse and told her employer via text message at or about 4.37 hours that her stepdad was killed after being hit by a car and she would not be able to come to work that day. Then three minutes later, she Googles suede repair kit for sofa. Why is it so important at 4.40 a.m. that she Googles suede repair kit for sofa and she's only had three hours of sleep but she's concerned about the sofa? I thought she said that the sofa was something she could sell the night before when she was talking to Gannon to make up for the carpet that was burned. Unless she needed a repair kit so that she can sell the sofa. What did you do, Letitia? Now, Letitia also informs Gannon's school about his absence. And the affidavit says Letitia did tell Gannon School Grand Mountain Elementary that Gannon would be absent on Monday. Investigators were able to verify that Gannon was marked as an excused absence that day. So now we have that accidental video from the night before and what does Letitia do in the morning? She takes a picture of him. Sorry, she takes two pictures of Gannon in his bed at 8.13 a.m. and at 8.17 a.m. And according to the affidavit, there are time and date stamped photos and videos from Letitia's cell phone. Videos, plural. And here's what the affidavit says. Number 28, 
Other electronic evidence, such as time and date stamp photographs and videos, were recovered from Letitia's cellular telephone that indicate Gannon was likely still alive during the morning of January 27, 2020. Number 29 says, as displayed in paragraph 54 below, images were taken on Letitia's cell phone at or about 8.13 and 8.17 hours on the morning of January 27, 2020, showing Gannon sleeping in his bed. Of particular note, his Nintendo Switch, a small video game console, is visible in the photo lying next to him on the bed. Mr. Stout has said that this gaming system was of high importance to Gannon. To date, investigators have been unable to locate the Nintendo Switch. I'm going to speak a little bit more about his Nintendo Switch further in this video, but just take note that she did take a picture of him at 8.13 and 8.17, and also that his Nintendo Switch was lying next to him on, on the bed. So now, an hour and a half later, Letitia locks her phone at around 9.56 a.m. and leaves her phone at home, and then 25 minutes later, her and Gannon are seen leaving the house and climbing into the Nissan Frontier. And in this video, you can see Gannon coming out, and he does look sluggish, like Roderick said, and to me, it looked like he's almost even limping, and in my opinion. Or maybe it's him favoring his stomach if it's sore. So something then drops out of the truck once he opens the door and you can see him looking at it and he kind of just stands there. And Letitia comes and then goes and picks it up. Now, as a kid, a lot of kids would just pick it up, right? He just kind of stares at it and it reminds me of something dropping and you're in a lot of pain, you know, and you look at it like, man, that's really a far way down. Like that's going to take some effort to go pick it up. That's almost to me what it feels like or what it looks like. Let me know what you think in the comments below. And Roderick did say he looked sluggish. He said uh, on Monday he looked drugged, he looked sick, and in another interview he said he looked sluggish and he said he could barely walk. So they leave the driveway without Letitia's phone and the affidavit noted that it was suspicious. It said, the fact Letitia left her phone at home is suspicious on its own based on her history of extensive use of the phone. Then they go and head to Petco, which takes around 30 minutes from their home to the north location where Letitia was last seen on video surveillance and Gannon wasn't. And at 10.37 a.m., there's a text that goes out from Gannon's phone to Harley and the affidavit, it says this. Number 37, on January 27, 2020, there was a message sent from Gannon's phone to Harley's phone that reads, Tisha left phone at home. If you need her, text me. And this message was sent at or about 1037 hours. And I questioned this in one of my previous videos. Was this text actually sent by Gannon or was it sent by Letitia? It could be either, right? Why I ask this is, does Gannon usually call her Tisha or does he call her T? And would an 11 year old text something in that manner? And I wonder what Al says or even Landon because I was having this conversation with my husband talking about an 11 year old talking like this. And then we were talking about, could he have said, your mom left 
phone at home and she said to text me if you need her. He's definitely not going to take it upon himself to be like, oh, you left your phone, let me go and text Harley. So he was told what to do, right? Which is fair. I mean, it could still have been him. But Tisha could have said, Gannon, can you text Harley and let her know that I don't have my phone and if she needs me, then to text you. And where is the text to Gannon's school, particularly for Lena, saying, hey, Tisha left her phone at home. If Lena needs her, text me, right? Because we know she likes to text the cops and her employer, so why not a text to Lena's school? I think Tisha wrote that message. So now they arrive at Petco and she was seen on surveillance at the Petco and Gannon wasn't shown at all. The affidavit says on number 38, investigators were able to confirm based on video surveillance footage and purchase receipts that Letitia traveled to Petco located at 5020 North Nevada Avenue, Colorado Springs, Colorado. This Petco is approximately 22 miles from the residence and is an approximate 30 minute drive based on Google Maps directions. The receipt shows that Letitia completed her purchase at or about 11.22 hours. Gannon is not visible on any of the surveillance video obtained at Petco. So she purchases a buy to get one free deal on dog coats. And then I remembered that she did that leaked phone call. And this is what she said in it. The caller asks, did you go to the Petco that they said it's like three Petcos away from your house twice that day. And Letitia pauses and says, three Petcos? Honestly, I don't. The reason we went that way is because we were going to talk to someone about the Play It Again sports and about the bike. So if I went to that Petco, I'm sorry that they're all freaked out that it was the wrong Petco. And then the caller talks about her being frantic and acting frantic at the window and that she bought three dog coats. And Letitia answers, but think about what you just said, like, come on now. So I'm guilty for buying three dog coats, but there's no mention about her being frantic at all. She then says, I went to Petco and do you know how they know I went to Petco? Because I told them, and she laughs, I told them to go get the camera footage at Petco. I didn't even have my phone on me, so they wouldn't even have known I was at Petco if I hadn't told them. But if Gannon's phone was with her, they would have, right? But I don't think they could because I don't think he had it turned on. I think after that text to Harley, she shut it off, in my opinion. And I'll keep going and you'll see why I think that. Now, in this leaked call, she also says, I went to the Douglas County area because we were going to buy a bike for my husband for Valentine's Day, but I never went to some of these places that they're looking, so I think it's precautionary. And notice she said, because we were going to buy a bike for my husband. This is also why I believed in my previous videos that she went to Douglas County that day. I'll also get to that in a minute. Now at 11.22, after she checks out at Petco, Letitia and Gannon go MIA until 1.22 p.m. There are two hours unaccounted for. And at 13.21, Gannon's phone responds to a text from Al who says, Hey buddy. And this was sent at 12.06 p.m., but the response wasn't until 
1321. And the response was, can I play Zelda at least? And here's what the affidavit says on number 39. Letitia's whereabouts are unknown between approximately 1122 hours and 1322 hours. At 1322 hours, Letitia was again captured on video surveillance making a second purchase at the same Petco on North Nevada Avenue. Mr. Stouck sent a text message to Gannon's cell phone at or about 1206 that read, Hey buddy, this message was unanswered until 1321 hours. The response was, can I play Zelda at least? Mr. Stouck replied, not today. And this tells me a couple things in my opinion. The response from Al to the question, can I play Zelda at least, tells me that Ganon was mostly most likely grounded from his Nintendo Switch. Because he says, can I play at least? And he says, not today, right? So if he was grounded from his Switch, if this is true, and he got in trouble the night before with the candle incident and the carpet incident, then why was the photo taken at 8.13 in the morning and 8.17 with the switch beside his head. Could be something very important and something to note, possibly, in my opinion. But let's go back to the leaked call because I have another section that I found interesting. It talks about grounding. The caller asks, what do you think happened honestly? Do you think he's okay honestly? And Letitia answers, at this point, I want to keep all my faith and know that Ganon is okay. But, and I know that if he was doing something with someone, just hanging out, he would tell them quickly like, hey, my mom, my dad, my stepmom, I'm going to be grounded. I got to go. Or even it would be a day or two, he would have said, oh my gosh, I'm probably going to lose my entire technology for a year, but I better go home or else. And that last little line, I'm probably going to lose my entire technology. And it got me thinking, well, was he grounded just from his switch? Or was he also grounded from his phone as well? It's possible. Some kids who get in trouble, parents will take everything away. Their video games, their TV privilege, their phone, their iPad, right? This is why it's my belief that Gannon didn't even do these texts in his vehicle. She also has two hours unaccounted for. And if Gannon's phone was on, then Gannon's phone would have pinged. And Gannon would most likely have answered his dad at 12.06 p.m. if he got that message right away. And if Gannon had the phone in his hand, right? But I believe he doesn't have it in his hand and I don't think he's even in possession of it. Those two hours are silent and there's no GPS on Albert's truck according to the affidavit, it doesn't even mention it. And Tisha's phone is left conveniently at home and investigators even said it's suspicious. And there's no location on Gannon's phone which is why my belief is Gannon's phone is turned off. Until 1.21 p.m. at the Petco, it's turned back on because now it doesn't matter if she's tracked. And that's when Tisha, I believe it's Tisha, answers Al 
on that phone at 1.21 p.m. because on 1.22 p.m. she's in Petco again buying something and checking out. And here's what the affidavit says about locations. It's not necessarily about the 27th, it's talking more about the 28th when she went that evening back to Douglas County, but here's what it says. Number 128, historical cell site analysis helps to determine the location of a cellular telephone based on cell tower antenna locations and orientation. Locations are determined by activity of the cellular telephone and represents an approximate area, not an exact location. Different cellular carriers report this information in different formats and fashions. 129, it says, the historical cell site analysis identified unusual activity for Letitia, including potentially disconnecting her cell phone from the cellular network for several hours. I submit that by disconnecting the phone, Letitia intended to prevent law enforcement from being able to determine her location. Specifically, this occurred on January 28, 2020, which is the Tuesday. During the evening, she disposed of Gannon's remains. So she did it on Tuesday night. My bet she did it on that Monday in between 11.22 and 1.22 p.m. So Letitia is seen on camera again at that 1.22 p.m. mark, just one minute before she answers Al. And it's not known at the Petco what the second purchase is as of yet. So after she checks out a Petco, now there's a 20-minute gap. But at 1.43 p.m., there's an important search that takes place on Google. And on number 40 of the affidavit, it says a significant event occurred on Gannon's phone at or about 1343 hours, which is prior to arriving back at the Stokes residence. There was an internet search for, can my parent find my cell phone if it's off? I submit that this internet search was likely conducted by Letitia on Gannon's phone and not Gannon himself based upon the content of the search, the way the search terms are phrased, and the presence of a period in between phone and if. This is very similar to the way Letitia conducted searches on her phone. So this backs up my theory of it's Tisha the whole time because she's at this point or during this day, she's in charge of Gannon's phone. She's doing the texting and now she wants to know if a parent can find his cell phone if it's off. And this is done at 1.43 and there's that two hour gap, right? Because she just spent two hours somewhere she doesn't wanna get caught. So she makes sure to do the search to see if while that phone is off, if they were able to track her. See where I'm coming from? So after that, she heads on home and she arrives at the house at 2.20 p.m., as we know, on Mandan Drive. The question is, of course, did Gannon come back or not? And the affidavit says likely. It doesn't say it's a confirmation, but here's what it says. Number 43 says the Nissan Frontier returned to the Stout residence at or about 1,420 hours. A search warrant authorized by this court was executed on the Nissan Frontier and found no indications of blood inside the vehicle. Number 32, it says, the video camera is several homes away and does not provide images clear enough to make positive identifications of those captured in the recording. The vehicle returned at or about 1419 hours and Letitia exited the vehicle. After viewing the video, I cannot be sure if another person exited the vehicle or not, but I submit Gannon likely did return home with Letitia that afternoon. 
these times corroborated by data collected from an ADT security system installed in the Stoke residence are discussed below in more detail. So he definitely could have and he definitely couldn't have. And this is not to go against the authorities at all. When they wrote this, they didn't even know the full capacity of everything, right? They said likely. And even in the affidavit says likely but not sure that he even did come out. And it's my opinion that they used the word likely because they had what could be a murder scene and most likely could be a murder scene and they don't have the body at this point and they have a whole lot of evidence even in this small amount of time leaning towards it being Letitia and they have check boxes to check off. They were looking to arrest Letitia and it would be a lot harder for them to have a different murder scene if there's no body and them having to prove that whereas they have a whole heck of a lot of blood and they have what looks like a murder scene so he could have came home but I have uh, seen a lot of reasons why or maybe that he didn't so just it, it is confusing I think everybody's confused and it will come out no worries there I'm with the authorities I'm not going against them I'm just saying they're probably scratching their head when this was written too, going, what is going on? I really just want to show that there's more to this story than just this small little 2 p.m. window to 7 p.m. window. You know what I mean? And we do need to be reminded that this affidavit was written on February 28th, before Gannon was found, before evidence was, or more evidence was collected and is being collected. And this is also before the discovery, obviously. This is a document showing probable cause. The investigators are definitely going to dig deeper and they're not going to put everything in this affidavit and they are going to put these puzzle pieces together. And make no mistake, we know that there is more to it. We do, it's obvious, right? So I also wanted to point out one more thing and I'm not going to show the pictures on here because I just, I can't. I don't want to but if you want to see it you can go in the link below I'm going to link to the actual affidavit but I observed Gannon's mattress that was in the affidavit and the picture that the police body cams had of Gannon's bed and of Tisha's picture and the bed was moved but when I looked at the comparison of Gannon's mattress and also of the pictures that was taken by Tisha that morning even though it's hard to see, you can see a little bit, it seems to be in the same vicinity of where the blood stains were compared to the pictures that they included in the affidavit. That's my opinion. It just seems like it could be the same area. And that's all I'll say for now. Could he have sustained what happened in the bedroom? Nope, not according to the authorities and not long-term, totally agree. I had a viewer in my comments that told me her brother was actually bludgeoned by a hammer in the bedroom, and she said, Linda, there was so much blood. She said, but guess what? He lived. And so when I saw that, that made me question, 
well, maybe this actually did happen earlier and maybe it was really severe, but maybe Ganon was still, I won't say okay, but maybe he was still alive and maybe it happened earlier and she got him out of that bed. And that picture she took of him was her sick chronicling, kind of like she did the night before of the accidental video. And she took one in the morning with his Nintendo Switch beside his head. And so that's what makes me wonder, maybe that's why he's sluggish. All that happened in the morning and she got him out of bed. She got him into the truck and he never came home. And he bled overnight or in the morning within those two hours or something. Now I go back and forth, okay? I do go back and forth. But I'm looking at this now as new information. I shouldn't say new, but because I'm putting everything together and piecing it, I'm starting to look at this and I'm looking at maybe she did go to Douglas County that day and maybe the next night on Tuesday night with her Tiguan, she went back to the scene of the crime, not making the scene of the crime, but time will tell. But there's one more thing I want to point out. On Tuesday afternoon, Tisha does another Google search and she asks, can Nintendo find my Switch? So did Letitia have that Switch that day in the truck as well? She took Ganon's phone with her and Nintendo Switch. And that's why that conversation to Al was, can I play Zelda at least? Is that the reason why they can't find his Switch? Because it's actually part of being the murder weapon on that Monday. And did she get rid of it on that Monday? And she Googled this, can Nintendo find my Switch, on Tuesday afternoon before she went that night with her Tiguan to Douglas County. And the affidavit is saying that she most likely dumped his body on the Tuesday night if the theory was that he came home that afternoon. So my question also is, was this an afterthought when she Googled it thinking, oh shoot, can this be tracked because she dumped him the Monday? Because Gannon's phone made it home that afternoon. She took it back to the house because in my opinion, it was safe, right? Because it was turned off and she Googled to find out, can it be tracked if it's off? Why would she do that if Gannon was home all day and night and never went anywhere? Or is this search, can Nintendo find my Switch, thinking ahead before she went and got rid of his body in Douglas County with her Tiguan on Tuesday night? What are your thoughts? Because in the affidavit it says, it should also be noted that Letitia used her phone that following day, January 28th, 2020, at or about 1257 hours, to conduct a Google search, can Nintendo find my Switch? This is also detailed in a list of some of her search history in paragraph 141 and reasonably occurred because she was contemplating how she would dispose of the Switch. And number 30, it says, I conducted a Google search for the term, can Nintendo find my Switch? And learned that the Switch does not come with any sort of tracking ability. As such, Letitia likely felt it was safe to dispose of the switch and use the missing switch to help deceive law enforcement into searching for Ganon as a possible runaway. So really, she had Ganon's cell phone potentially turned off from 10.37 a.m. till 2.30, which is a good four hours. And interestingly, she had four hours also turned off 
on the Tuesday night as well. I hope you have a clear idea now of Ganon's timeline and how that fits together. I do like to split the people apart and take it from different point of views so we can really see what's going on. I hope that helps a little more or perhaps it makes you more confused as ever because I do teeter on if he came home or not. And the affidavit says likely, but we never know as it's my understanding this very well can change obviously because they're getting new information that comes in. Let's have a chit chat below and talk about it. Please subscribe if you haven't done so already. Click the like button and click the share button. Thank you so much for watching. See you soon.